What's up? What's going on? Hey, it's Minister Joe Moss, and welcome to another episode of Finding Your Water. There's something in all of us that loves to hate. And when someone hurts us, it's a great excuse to make that person the object of our hatred. In the Bible, a guy named David had the exact opportunity because David had been chosen by God to be the next king of Israel. He was being hunted by the current and very jealous king, Saul. David had every reason to hate Saul. I mean, this guy was trying to kill him. But because David knew God, David knew there was a better way. So instead of returning Saul's hatred with more hatred, David chose to show mercy and patience instead. Although David wasn't perfect, his choices here remind us what God invites us to do, which is love the people we want to hate. And that's what we're going to be learning about today. Stay tuned. This lesson is going to bless your life. So today we are talking about loving the people that you want to hate. And, you know, it seems like we've all got strong opinions about celebrities. So let's try something. You know, if you could draft a few famous people into your inner circle, who would you pick? Who would you pick? Would it be a politician? Would it be a movie star? Would it be a professional athlete? Who would you pick? You know, in case you need more proof that people tend to have strong opinions about celebrities, all you need to do is check the comment section of any famous person's social media posts alongside comments from their fans, and you'll nearly see jokes, name-calling, arguments, and very often you'll see some hate. So each week, it seems like there's a new villain of the week trending online. Yet another famous person, politician, or organization everybody loves to hate, either for something silly or because they said something hurtful or offensive, you know? So like we talked about in the first week of this series, social media has led to a phenomenon called cancel culture, which is like a, a big jumble of online behaviors, some helpful and justified, you know, and some are not, like calling out or shaming, boycotting, and holding people accountable for their actions. So this happens. It happens when people troll and start online feuds just for fun. People fuel celebrity drama with hashtags. You know what I mean? Like, the party's over. Some people use social media to embarrass or hurt each other for a laugh or for revenge. And other people call out or cancel others for legitimate reasons especially public figures who said or did something very hurtful. But today, I don't want to talk about internet trolls or celebrity drama. I want to talk about what happens when we have legitimate reasons to cancel someone. (laughs) 
Why do you think people sometimes love to hate each other? I believe if you thought a little deeper and harder, you know, you could probably remember a time when you want to revenge on someone who hurt you. Whether it was online or in your family or in your circle of friends. There seems to be never a shortage of people we love to hate. Especially when we feel there's a good reason for that hatred. So when someone hurts us, it's tempting to cancel them by loving to hate them or being quick to talk poorly about them. Or if we really want to get them, we'll just dehumanize them altogether. And and to top the cake off, right, we just take revenge on them. So I want you to think about a story. A time when someone hurts you. And you wanted revenge. How did they hurt you? How did you respond? And what did you learn or observe about that exchange? Did the conflict escalate? Did you take revenge? Did they take revenge? What do you wish you would have done differently? These are all great questions and great things for us to ponder and think about. I mean, this is complicated, isn't it? You know, when when you're hurt, of course, you want to stick up for yourself and hold people accountable for their actions. But God calls us to forgive and show grace rather than seeking revenge. So how do we balance accountability with grace and forgiveness? Does forgiving someone mean pretending like the hurt never happened? What do we need to seek justice? And when do we need to just let something go? Despite it all. God calls us to forgive and show grace rather than seeking revenge. You know, sometimes, you know, you know, you want to, you want to ask like, God, do you ever think there's a legitimate reason to hate someone? And then what he does, he sends us right to the scripture and gives us some examples um, to follow. And one of the, one of the scriptures God sent me to was uh, first Samuel 24 verses 1 through 7. So we'll get there in a second. But last week, we we heard the story of David and King Saul, focusing mostly on Saul. You know, in this episode, in this lesson, we're going to look at the same story, but focused on David. So in case you need a little recap, let me let me just kind of fill you in if you didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode that I put out, the one on loving people that you want to envy. Saul was the king of Israel, but David had been chosen 
by God to be the next king. Okay? Saul liked David at first, but eventually he became incredibly envious of David. Because of his envy, Saul tried to kill David repeatedly. I mean, Saul was after this guy. You know, he chased this guy from city to city trying to take him out. He even rallied his army of soldiers to help him hunt and kill David. Can we all agree David had a valid reason to hate Saul? I mean, come on now. Someone's out for you and they're hunting you from city to city? Oh, that seems like a, that seems like a legitimate reason to want to just not like this person or strongly dislike if you don't want to use the word hate. It would have been totally reasonable for David to want revenge. But here's what happened instead. So in 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 7 tells us two things. Chapter 24, David spares Saul's life. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now is your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my lord the king, he said to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord the king! And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. So in this, in this passage, First Samuel 24, we learn that David spares Saul's life. And, um, and there are two things that I want to bring to your attention. And the first thing, yes, the bathroom thing is funny. It did say that he went into a cave to relieve himself. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, you know, people back then were human as well. Okay, so let's just get past that. All right. Second, not only... Did David not kill Saul? He didn't even hurt him. I mean, he cut off a piece of Saul's robe as evidence. But even when he did that, he felt remorseful about it. And he let Saul leave in peace. So when David had the opportunity to take revenge and let hate guide him, he chose to let Saul go instead. Now, in this moment, David chose to love Saul in spite of his actions. That doesn't mean David suddenly liked Saul or wanted to be his best friend. But David showed love instead of hate by showing mercy to Saul instead of revenge. Now, that's something we know that only God helps him with. And that's something that we know that only God can help 
us with. So like we were, like I mentioned in the last episode, in the last lesson, David and Saul didn't exactly reconcile. The best they could do was promise to stay away from each other. And that's what they did. For the rest of their lives, they never saw each other again. So before I go any further, here's an important disclaimer. I want you to keep in mind the story that we're reading about is from a different time and culture. It's about two powerful men and people like, not like you and me, okay, who definitely, we don't rule nations or command armies. This is also a story of two adults. Um, they're not kids. They're not teenagers. Okay. So before we go any further, let me make a few things clear. The moral of the story is not to be nice to someone who is abusive or dangerous. The moral of the story is not to not ask for help when you're in danger. The moral of the story is not to not seek justice when someone has harmed you. So if you're in a position now or you have been in the past where someone, especially an adult, is harming you or harming someone else, please tell someone that you trust. God doesn't tell us to put ourselves in harm's way or to endure abuse or violence. It doesn't honor God when you allow yourself to be hurt or mistreated. God loves you, sees you, and has put people in your life, hopefully, that will protect you. So find someone, please, Tell someone that can help you, okay? And um, I love you, we love you, and we want to make sure that you are safe and protected from all harm and danger. So if that's not the lesson we should take from this story, what is? Like I said last week, in the episode on loving the people we envy. And if you haven't heard that lesson, I would suggest going back and getting those nuggets because they're going to bless your life. It's helpful when reading Old Testament stories to look ahead to the words of Jesus and see what he had to say. So we're going to do just that. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 45. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Teaching about revenge. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. 
If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Teaching about love for enemies. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. As he often did, Jesus flipped the script again on the world's wisdom about love and hate. Instead of telling his audience to love those who love them and hate those who hate them, Jesus challenged them and us to try something new. To love our enemies. Although David lived many years before Jesus spoke these words, David understood God wouldn't want him to return Saul's hatred with more hatred. His decision to show Saul love instead of vengeance points to what Jesus challenges us to do, which is love the people we want to hate. Now what? What does God want us to do about it? Now I understand that none of us are currently being chased by a jealous king. But who might some of your enemies be? I mean, David and Saul eventually decided to never, ever see each other again. When do you think that's a wise thing to do with your enemy? And when is it not? I mean, when someone hurts you, do you think it's possible to forgive them and hold them accountable for their actions at the same time? Hmm, I want you to think about that for, for a minute. Let's talk about this phrase, turn the other cheek. Because it's often misunderstood. When Jesus said this, he didn't mean never stand up for yourself or others and just to let people walk all over you. See, Jesus had no problem verbally defending himself. Jesus often got angry at people who were cruel and hurtful. But interesting, Jesus never sought revenge or was cruel to others or even escalated a conflict because his pride was wounded. Here's what I think Jesus meant when he said, turn the other cheek. When someone attacks, hurts, or lashes out at you, don't be overcome by anger. He also was saying, don't plot your revenge. I think he also meant, don't escalate the situation and don't react without thinking to respond wisely instead. Now, I'm telling you, that is tough. Those are very challenging things. And, um, but I'm going to let you in on a little secret about Jesus. Many people think Jesus, when they think of Jesus only as a kind, gentle, peace-loving man, but Jesus was also revolutionary. 
he upset both religious and political leaders of his day. They all wanted him dead. I mean, Jesus' enemies would often try to provoke or trap him just so they can have an excuse to arrest him. But Jesus knew better. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you're really, really angry with someone. And you just go and you just punch them dead in their face looking for a fight. But then something strange happens. They don't hit back. They don't even become aggressive. Instead, they take a deep breath. They raise their hands in the air. They look you straight in your eyes. And they turn their head, giving you the perfect shot to punch them again. Mm. Now, here's, <laughs> I know, extreme example, right? Here's what I hope you would do in that moment. Like I said, I would hope. I want you to stop and consider what you've done. Realize you can't hit them again because you clearly become the bad guy. I want you to calm down. Feel a little a bit of a shame for what you've done. And walk away. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Um, he's asking a lot. But that's the power of love over hate. And of self-control instead of revenge. When we react in anger or seek revenge, we escalate conflicts, which makes it much more difficult for the person who has hurt us to become to come to terms with what they did. After all, if you punch them back, they'll have a reason to hit you again and might even think their first punch was justified. Now, when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he wasn't telling us to just get over it. He was telling us to strategically choose love instead of hatred. Because love changes things. I know you may be wondering, Minister Joe, what would you do in a situation like this? You know, I would, oh, I would have to ask God to really, really help me. Or I would probably refer them to this song. Try Jesus, don't try me. Cause I throw hands. Try Jesus, please don't try me. Cause I fight Oh, you say Turn the other cheek Oh, but this one part of the Bible That just don't sit right with me So try Jesus Please don't try me Cause I fight I have no problem But on a more serious note, 
and all jokes aside, you know, we need to pray for our enemies. So who are your enemies? Who are you tempted to hate because of the way they've hurt or treated you? Who have you hurt out of a desire for revenge? And how can you make it right? How can you stop the back and forth exchange of hatred and retaliation? How can you strategically choose to love someone you want to hate? See, when someone hurts us, it's natural to want to cancel them and make them pay. But it's possible to hold someone accountable for their actions without adding the hatred in the world. The world needs us to model a new way forward. The way of love, not hate. Yes, it will be very challenging, but most important things are. This change can start with us when we decide to, number one, forgive. Forgiveness isn't something we do for a person who hurt us. It's something we do for ourselves and God. Whether they ask for our forgiveness or not, we can choose to let go of bitterness towards the people who have hurt us. You may not be ready to fully forgive that person today. And and that's okay. But forgiveness is often a journey. Number two, notice. We all need people to model for us what compassion and love look like. But the good news is that these examples are everywhere. We just have to pay attention. Number three, defend. We've talked a lot about what to do When we've been hurt. But don't forget that other people are being hurt all the time. You may notice someone being bullied at school or at work or on the job. Or you might begin to explore deep and systemic problems like injustice, racism, and inequality. If you were like David being hunted by the king. You would have wanted someone to defend you, right? We can do that for others. And number four, we need to pray. The things we've talked about today are difficult. If we want to choose love instead of hate, we're going to need a lot of help. We have to learn to pray for those who have hurt us and who are hunting others, just like Jesus said. It's hard to hate someone you're consistently praying for. Now, as we come to a close today, I want to challenge you to pray for the person you are most tempted to hate right now. Ask God to help you Choose love instead of revenge.
If we choose to hate our enemies, hate will only grow. But if we choose to love our enemies with God's help, that love will grow, spread, and even change our culture. It's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. Like Jesus and like David did, God is challenging you to love the people you want to hate. And see how it changes you, changes them, and changes the world. Much love and God bless.